0: One of the great pivotal historical events of the Bible, we have a good record of in the second chapter of Acts. This was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus, after speaking to the apostles, was taken up into heaven. Chapter 2 opens, on the day of Pentecost, and there was a multitude assembled. The apostles were all in Jerusalem in one place. A sound gets their attention, a sound like a rushing, mighty wind, and with that the appearance of tongues like fire parting asunder. The apostles began to speak, but not in their own native language, but rather in other tongues, in languages of those who were present. The people who were gathered were amazed as these Galileans spoke in languages unknown to them by natural means of study and learning. Peter explained that this was happening in fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, a prophecy that said God would pour out this great manifestation that would have universal impact. And then it was time to preach Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, I'm beginning with verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, said at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, From this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. day by day, those who were being saved. The same Savior, the same gospel, the same repentance and baptism, and the same church is available for all men and women today. I want to call your attention to Acts chapter 2. First, I want to briefly touch on some things brought up in the chapter. Second, I want to focus on what the chapter is about, who the chapter is about. And finally, I promise to bring all of this to very timely, practical conclusions. First, it may be helpful for us to observe there are several things mentioned in this chapter, but these things mentioned in the chapter are not the main theme. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there isn't any doubt the Holy Spirit has an influence in the life of every single child of God, and a variety of passages can be brought up about that. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. As God's warriors, we use the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians six seventeen. We bear the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians five twenty two. If this sermon was about the Holy Spirit, we would bring up many other passages and aspects of his influence. But Acts 2 was not written to tell us everything about the Holy Spirit. That's not the main emphasis. Jesus made a specific promise of miraculous influence to his apostles. And to read about that, just look back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus said to these men, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This baptism in the Holy Spirit which came upon the apostles was not given to save them or make them holy or give them some extraordinary emotional experience. The purpose was, in the words of Jesus, to enable them to be confirming witnesses to him in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, and, according to John 16:13, to guide them into all the truth. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, but that's not the main theme of Acts chapter 2. These men began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was a practical, functional gift a miracle that had a communicative purpose. Where the Holy Spirit gave these men the ability to speak languages, they had not learned. Verse 6 tells us, Everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit, and from that filling they spoke with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Luke gives us this record, tells us about this, but tongue speaking is not what the chapter is about. This was in fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel, according to verses 16 through 21. Peter explained to the crowd that these amazing events were not caused by intoxication, but by divine plan and purpose, and that God had said this would happen. It reads this way, beginning at verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then that prophecy is documented. God, through Joel, had said this would happen. And now it was happening, this great outpouring of God's Spirit in the latter days that would affect and benefit all people. As a result of this manifestation, this great and awesome day, it came to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. We will learn what that means and urge people to do that later in the study. All of these things are mentioned in Acts chapter 2. They're a part of this scene. Other subjects come up in verses 44 and 45, benevolence. Beginning here and throughout the New Testament, we can read all about benevolence, both personal and collective. There is a pattern for both individuals and congregations to follow, but benevolence is not the main subject. In verse 42, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. There are Christians working and worshiping together, praising God and having favor with all the people in verse 47. But after all these interesting subjects and topics, here's what we need to focus on. The chapter is not about speaking in tongues or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Benevolence and fellowship are brought up, but certainly not the main subject. The church is mentioned in verse 47. But what is taught in this chapter and in the book of Acts about the church, while important, and vital, is really not the main subject of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. My point is, all these important subjects are brought up in Acts chapter 2 and developed later after Acts chapter 2, but these things are not primarily what Peter's sermon was about. Everything Luke tells us about these things is true and worthy of our belief, but what is Acts chapter 2 is about. It would be better for me to word it this way, who is Acts chapter 2 about? Acts chapter 2 is about Jesus Christ. Here's what Peter revealed in his sermon. Jesus Christ was approved of God by miracles. Verse 22, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. God demonstrated, God communicated his approval of Jesus of Nazareth. He did this by miracles and wonders and signs, and these miracles were done in the presence of many many of those who are now listening to Peter's sermon. In the Gospel of John, there is an emphasis on the signs Jesus performed. John said he wrote those signs down. He recorded those that we might believe. John 20, 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Peter's sermon is about Jesus Christ, who was delivered up by the determinate counsel of God. I'm at verse 23. Him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Jesus was given over to his enemies, but it wasn't defeat that came through weakness or surrender. These were things which were part of the predetermined plan of God, a plan made way back in eternity, even before the earth was created, a plan the apostle Paul referred to in Ephesians 3, 8-11, the eternal purpose which God accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So our Lord was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Peter is saying that about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the main subject of Acts chapter 2. He was killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 23, You have taken... By lawless hands have crucified and put him to death. Godless or lawless men, meaning men without God and without law, they crucified him. They put this innocent man to death, the Messiah. They must be told of their sin. They murdered one who came from heaven to save them according to God's plan. Peter's communicating that. Jesus is the main theme of Peter's sermon. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, verse 24, whom God raised up having loose the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Perhaps rumors had spread of his resurrection, but now Peter stands up and without equivocation, he declares that what had only been rumored is actual historical fact. He arose. He had died the sinless for the sinful. God raised him, as Peter later testified in the house of Cornelius, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. I'm wanting you to see that Jesus is the main subject of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. Jesus' resurrection fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. I discovered that in Acts two twenty-five to 31. From verse 25 to 31, David had written about the resurrection of Christ. Christ did not remain in the Hadean realm. What David wrote was about The resurrection of Christ. And Jesus' resurrection was the testimony of witnesses. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, verse 32. He affirms that Jesus arose from the dead. He claims the evidence or testimony of witnesses. Witnesses? I want you to listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep, After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, Paul wrote, as by one born out of due time. But someone might ask about all this truth concerning Jesus revealed by Peter. Where is Jesus now? Verse 33, Exalted to the right hand of God, And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Peter is now saying where the risen Jesus is. He is glorified. He is king, exalted to the right hand of God. This mighty power of God was at work raising him, then exalting him, and Paul would later describe it in these ways. In Ephesians 1, 20 to 23, he worked in Christ, that's God working in Christ, raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. Further, Jesus Christ is responsible for what you're seeing and hearing, the Apostle Peter said to those present on the day of Pentecost. Verses 33 to 35, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. In olden days, when a king conquered an enemy, the enemy was often made to lie down on his back, on the floor or ground in front of the conqueror's throne. And the victor would then use one of his feet and place his foot on the neck of the victim as a footrest, symbolizing his complete control over the conquered one. So Christ shall one day finish God's grand plan for the ages, All those who've rebelled against God will be subdued. The last enemy that will suffer will be that death will be abolished and the devil will suffer final and eternal defeat. And so it's obvious. Jesus has been made both Lord and Christ by God himself. And that's stated in chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. One man said, the sting of the speech is put at the end. They had crucified God's anointed one, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost was evident, evidence that Jesus had been exalted in heaven, raised from the dead, exalted to heaven, Peter's sermon is all about Jesus Christ. Now, I say to you, everything else in Acts chapter 2 depends upon this truth about Jesus Christ and is connected to this truth. The gift of speaking in tongues was an act of God to communicate this truth about Jesus to men and women in their own language. The apostles were not baptized in the Holy Spirit for their own benefit. This was an act of God whereby these witnesses received power to preach the gospel with confirming signs and wonders. The prophecy of Joel was about the time when it would come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The church came into existence when people responded to the truth Peter preached about Jesus Christ. Do you see that everything else in Acts chapter 2 depends upon, is centered in, is connected to, who Jesus is and what he did? That's what the chapter is about. And when we study something in Acts chapter 2 and disconnect it from that main subject, we will be easily led into error. Nothing in Acts chapter 2 stands alone. It is all connected to Jesus Christ, who was delivered up and raised up and exalted up. And we should never read and study Acts chapter 2 without exalting him. We should never consider repentance, baptism, fellowship, or the church disconnected from the person, the king who stands at the center of everything in this chapter. If you want a correct view of Anything in Acts chapter 2, you will need to have a correct view of Jesus Christ, who is the subject of the chapter. You will hear people talk about things like real Pentecostal power. It is not uncommon to see a sign in front of a church building where some reference is made to Pentecost or Pentecostal power. In most cases, they're not talking about Jesus Christ. They're talking about the Holy Spirit. I think the next time someone asks me if our church has Pentecostal power, I'm going to say yes, and then I'm going to preach to them Jesus Christ and Him crucified, Jesus the resurrected Lord, exalted to the right hand of God, king over His kingdom, head of the church, which is His body. That's Pentecostal preaching, and that's what Acts chapter 2 is about. It's about him. Now, if you believe this testimony about Jesus in Acts chapter 2, if you were convinced by the evidence Luke gives, if you've already read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you are aware of his claims, the claims about Jesus, and all the testimony, what will you do when you get to verse 38? In Acts chapter 2, knowing you have sinned, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. You You have no reason to doubt or deny anything Peter says about the person and work of Jesus Christ. So what will you do? What will you want to do when you read verse 38 where Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Will you look at that verse and say, well, that's really nice that the apostle said that, and then do nothing? Will you read that verse and decide you need to do extensive research into the grammar of that and the Greek preposition? What will you do? What will your attitude or response be? You believe in God. You believe what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have said and now you've read Acts chapter 2, and you believe in Christ, who was delivered up, raised up, and exalted up, what will your response be to Acts 2.38? I think you'll get up and repent and be baptized if you haven't obeyed the gospel. And after that, what will you do? After you have gladly received his word, what will you do then? I believe you'll do what verse 42 teaches. You will continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. This means you will want to follow the New Testament pattern in all that you do. As an individual, you will search the Scriptures and submit to the authority of Christ. When you join with others in a local church, you and the others who believe what Acts 2 says— will want to keep your teaching and your work within the framework of what the apostles taught. You will reject everything not authorized by Christ, not to be contentious, not to fulfill the dreams of a party, not just to be a nonconformist. Rather, you will reject what isn't authorized because you believe what Peter said about the exalted Christ who is the Lord who has authority. If you believe in the Christ who is preached in Acts 2, you'll repent and be baptized, and you'll want to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in verse 47, you'll praise God and have favor with the people as a part of the Lord's church. This was one of the greatest days in history, the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. But what's really great And what we need to grasp and preach today is the same Jesus preached by Peter can be preached today and should be and must. He remains at the right hand of God. And what those people did who gladly received his word can be done today, should be done today, bringing to men and women today the same remission of sins and the same fellowship with God. Are you convinced? Are you convicted If you believe in Christ, what will you do now about Acts 2.38 if you haven't already obeyed the gospel? You can have your sins forgiven. You can have peace with God. You can continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and you can go to heaven. The Christ of Acts chapter 2 has made all that possible for people who will repent, and be baptized, and continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Thank you for listening.